welcome to A Course in Miracles Daily Workbook Lessons for Regular People. I'm your host, Reverend Robin. This podcast is companion to my first one, which is A Course in Miracles for Regular People, where we read and discuss the text of A Course in Miracles. In this podcast, we read and discuss the daily workbook lessons that go with the course. I love these lessons and what they do for me and I love to discuss them with others who are on their journey to atonement. There's several ways that you can reach out to me if you'd like to chat. I'm on Twitter at ACIMFOR. I'm on Facebook at A Course in Miracles for Regular People. My email is ACIMDWLFRP. That's A Course in Miracles Daily Workbook Lessons for Regular People. ACIMDWLFRP at gmail.com or you can simply go to anchor.fm and leave a voice message and while you're there if you'd like you can make a donation to support this podcast and I'd really appreciate that now let's get started with today's lesson good morning today is lesson 186 salvation of the world depends on me. Salvation of the world depends on me? Here is the statement that will one day take all arrogance away from every mind. Does sound like a pretty arrogant statement. The salvation of the world depends on me. That's a pretty heavy load to carry. Let's continue reading and see what it says. So here is the statement that will one day take all arrogance away from every mind. Here is the one thought of true humility, which holds no function as your own, but that which has been given you. It offers your acceptance of a part assigned to you without insisting on another role. So when we make that statement, it offers offers us acceptance of a part that is assigned to us without insisting on another role. It does not judge your proper role, but it acknowledges the will of God. It acknowledges that the will of God is done on earth as well as heaven. It unites the wills on earth in heaven's plan to save the world, restoring it to heaven's peace. The salvation of the world depends on me. It unites all wills on earth in heaven's plan. Since we all are one, we all have one will, and that is God's will. Of course, salvation of the world depends on me because my salvation depends on you and your salvation depends on me. Continuing, let us not fight our function. We did not establish it. It is not our idea. The means are given us by which it will be perfectly accomplished. So let's not fight against our role here, that salvation of the world depends on us. We did not establish this as our function. 
It's not our idea. But what we need in order to accomplish this function is given to us so that it will be perfectly accomplished. All that we're asked to do is to accept our part in genuine humility and not deny with self-deceiving arrogance that we are worthy. See, we're taught that we are unworthy. We are taught that it's arrogant or prideful to say anything good about ourselves. To say that we're worthy, that the salvation of the world depends on me. We would be told, oh, don't be so full of yourself. You're not that important. The salvation of the world does not depend on you. But apparently it does. So continuing. What is given us to do, we have the strength to do. Our minds are suited perfectly to take the part assigned to us by the one, capital O, who knows us well. God knows what we're capable of. God knows who we are. Today's idea may seem quite sobering until you see its meaning. All it says is that your father still remembers you and offers you the perfect trust that he holds in you who are his son. God trusts us. He has perfect trust in us because he knows who we are and what we're capable of. So today's idea does not ask that we be different in any way from what we are. What could humility request but this? Humility acknowledges who we are. It doesn't deny who we are. Continuing, and what could arrogance deny but this? Today we will not shrink from our assignment on the specious grounds that modesty is outraged. It is pride that would deny the call for God himself. All false humility we lay aside today that we may listen to God's voice reveal to us what he would have us do. So what is false humility and what is true humility? False humility says that we are not worthy, that we are not powerful, that the salvation of the world does not depend on us. True humility says, if God said it, that's the truth. If God said, I am powerful, and I am holy, and I am worthy, then that is what is true, regardless of what we've been taught. So continuing, we do not doubt our adequacy for the function that he will offer us. We will be certain only that he knows our strengths, our wisdom, and our holiness. And if he deems us worthy, so we are. It is but arrogance that judges otherwise. There is one way and only one to be released from the imprisonment that your plan to prove the false is true has brought you. Accept the plan that you did not make instead. Judge your value to it 
the plan that we did not make, the plan that says that the salvation of the world depends on us. If God's voice assures you that salvation needs your part and that the whole depends on you, be sure that it is so. The arrogant must cling to words, afraid to go beyond them to the experience which might affront their stance. Beyond words to the experience that might confront the stance of the arrogant who say that they are not worthy and they are not capable. Yet are the humble free to hear the voice which tells them what they are and what to do. Arrogance makes an image of yourself that is not real. It is this image which quails and retreats in terror as the voice for God assures you that you have the strength, the wisdom, and the holiness to go beyond all images. You are not weak, as is the image of yourself. You are not ignorant and helpless. Sin cannot tarnish the truth in you, and misery cannot come near the holy home of God. All this, the voice for God, relates to you. And as he speaks, the image trembles and seeks to attack the threat that it does not know, sensing its basis crumble. Let it go. Salvation of the world depends on you and not upon this little pile of dust. What can it tell the Holy Son of God? Why need he be concerned with it at all? When we see ourselves as unworthy and incapable, it's because we're looking at our physical body and the salvation of the world does not depend upon this little pile of dust, this physical body. It depends on the real being, the true self that we are. Continuing. So we find our peace. We will accept the function that God has given us. For all illusion, for all illusions rest upon the weird belief that we can make another for ourselves. That we can make another function for ourselves. Our self-made roles are shifting, and they seem to change from mourner to ecstatic bliss of love and loving. We can laugh or weep and greet the day with welcome or with tears. Our very being seems to change as we experience a thousand shifts in mood, and our emotions raise us high indeed or dash us to the ground in hopelessness. We are not to believe our emotions. If we feel unworthy, it doesn't mean we're true. It's true. It if we feel guilty, it doesn't mean it's true. Our emotions are not to tell us what is. Our emotions are to give us guidance and let us know whether we are thinking in alignment with God or out of alignment with God. When we feel good and loving and happy and joyful, then we're thinking in alignment with God. And when we feel 
not good. We're thinking in opposition to God. So that's what our emotions are for. So continuing. Is this the Son of God? Could he create such instability and call it Son? Could God create such instability and call it his offspring? He who is changeless shares his attributes with his creation. So God shares his attributes with us. All images that his son appears to make have no effect on what he is. So it doesn't matter what we imagine. We are what God created. So these images have no effect on what we are. Continuing, they blow across his mind like windswept leaves that form a pattern for an instant, break apart and group again and scamper off. or like mirages seen above a desert, rising from the dust. These unsubstantial images will go and leave your mind unclouded and serene when you accept the function given you. The images you make give rise but to conflicting goals, impermanent and vague, uncertain and ambiguous. Who could be constant? in his efforts, or direct his energies in concentrated drive toward goals like these. The functions which the world esteems are so uncertain that they change ten times an hour at their most secure. What hope of gain can rest on goals like this, on these changing goals? One minute we think that one thing is important and that's what we're working toward. Another minute we're thinking something else is important, and that's what we're working toward. What hope of gain can rest on goals like that? Continuing. In lovely contrast, certain as the sun's return each morning to dispel the night, your truly given function stands out clear and wholly unambiguous, completely unambiguous, completely clear. It's like the sun rising in the morning to clear away the night. There is no doubt, continuing, there is no doubt of its validity and the validity of our true function. It comes from one, capital O, who knows no error, and his voice is certain of its messages. They will not change. These messages, they will not change, nor be in conflict. All of them point to one goal and one that you can attain. Your plan may be impossible, but God's plan can never fail because he is its source, capital S. Do as God's voice directs. And if it asks a thing of you which seems impossible, remember who it is that asks and who it is that would make denial. Then consider this. Which is more likely to be right? The voice that speaks for the creator of all things, who knows all things exactly as they are, or a distorted image of yourself, confused, bewildered, inconsistent, and unsure of everything. Let not its voice direct you. The voice that tells of a distorted image of yourself, confused, bewildered, inconsistent, and unsure. 
Don't let that voice direct you. Hear instead a certain voice, a voice which tells you of a function given you by your creator who remembers you and urges that you now remember him. His gentle voice is calling from the known to the unknowing. He would comfort you, although he knows no sorrow. He would make a restitution, though he is complete, a gift to you, although he knows that you have everything already. He has thoughts which answer every need his son perceives, although he sees them not. For love must give, and what is given in his name takes on the form most useful in a world of form. I like that. Love must give, and what is given in his name takes on the form that is most useful in a world of form. Continuing. These are the forms which never can deceive because they come from formlessness itself. Capital F, capital I, formlessness itself. Forgiveness is an earthly form of love which, as it is in heaven, has no form. Yet what is, what is needed here is given here as it is needed. In this form, you can fulfill your function even here, although what love will mean to you when formlessness has been restored to you is greater still. Salvation of the world depends on you who can forgive. Such is your function here. The salvation of the world depends on you and me. Let's lay aside all false humility today. Let's acknowledge who we are. We are holy. We are powerful. We are capable of the function which God has given us. Today, I wish you a day of true humility. Many blessings. Namaste.